Welcome to Cooking in Real Time, a podcast for practical kitchens. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cooking in Real Time. Did you like my stinger? I think that's what it's called in the biz. My little intro sound clip. You know, most people have music, things like this. I just used found sounds from here in the kitchen because it's kind of in keeping with the spirit of this podcast, which is just to work with what you have. While I was doing the found sound thing, I was thinking of, I don't know if you remember, I'm dating myself, if you guys remember the dogma film thing in the late 90s, early 2000s. Lars von Trier and all those weird Danish guys had very strict rules about filmmaking and one of them was you could only use ambient sound. So this podcast is like dogma podcast. It extends into cooking completely. There's a great movie called The Five Obstructions that uh, Lars von Trier made back in 2003 that's sort of expressing all these rules and sort of going through all the obstructions of all these limitations you place on yourself and how that creates a better creative product in the end because you've set up these almost absurd rules and the movie is very funny and absurd in spots, but it's really great because it shows that you really do need obstructions to be creative. And in the case of cooking, I feel like that's the little like five obstructions kind of challenge you get every night if you want. Where you're like, I don't have unlimited whatever. I don't have every ingredient. I don't have infinite time, but I can do something creative with the things I have in front of me. So sometimes some of the most satisfying meals I cook are five obstructions style meals or like random five ingredients from my refrigerator. Um, I have planned ahead for tonight though, and I did purchase something special, but This is also going to be something that is a little bit about limitations and obstructions. Like I said, this season is all about travel and that sounds very grand and um, glamorous and potentially it could be obnoxious. I'm unwrapping some things here. I'm getting my ingredients out while I'm talking. So yeah, it could be obnoxious where I'm like, oh, I was on a yacht, I was on a da, but, I've not really been on a yacht. And when I was thinking about this, I realized I keep some of my streams, my hobbies and work and things separate. So maybe some people listening don't know, but I am a guidebook writer in normal times. So I do end up traveling a lot. And I also have spent a lot of time specifically in the Middle East. Uh, So that's why a lot of my recipes skew that direction. I'm rinsing my vegetables here, and I guess I should tell you what the vegetables are so I can, I can get back to the, the bigger context and explanation, but first I should tell you what the heck we're doing while we are cooking in real time. I have these little zucchini here. They are not strictly zucchini. They're not what I think of as zucchini, but I'll probably end up calling them that out of habit. Uh, my produce store calls them gray squash sometimes Mexican gray squash. They're not as dark green as zucchini and they're a little short and a little bulbous on one end. So they're not usually zucchini are pretty straight and dark green. 
These are a little bit globe-shaped on the end, and they're much more mottled green and white, so they look a lot paler. And in Syria, in most of the Middle East, these are called kosa, and usually they are prepared stuffed. And there's a whole category of stuffed vegetables called mehshi. And kosa mehshi are delicious, usually stuffed with rice and a little bit of either ground beef or ground lamb or ground veal, depending on where you're eating and who's doing the cooking. Mehshi are generally considered like they can be a very fancy thing or they can be a very homey thing, but they're a little bit, um, they're a bit, little bit of a pain to prepare because you have to core the vegetables and da da da, and then they take a long time to cook, so it's it's intensive. So they're usually a little bit more of a special occasion thing, like not a weeknight dinner typically. But here I am on a weeknight making kosa mehshi, and how how do you imagine might that be? I don't know. I'm gonna leave you with a little cliffhanger while I get my rice going. So um, ordinarily kosa mehshi, like I said, would have um, rice and meat in the filling. Um, sometimes it can be straight vegetarian, um, but in general there's a little meat. So already a clue that we're not doing things normally is that I am cooking rice separately. And I'm just doing that in our rice cooker because we have it and I'm not feeling particularly fussy about rice. You could make a nice little pilaf if you wanted like some nice longer grain, you know, buttery rice that, that's nice and fluffy. I'm just doing our short grain Japanese rice. And um, let's see, let's see, let's see, where's the lid? Okay. Actually, you know what? We did this last night. I'm gonna not start it right now. I think we have time. I'm gonna turn it off and I'm gonna I'm gonna let it soak for five minutes. Such restraint. It does seem to help this Japanese rice. Anyway, uh, so that's there. That's going. Uh, and we'll hear a little beep a little bit later on. I think I said before in a previous episode, my internal timing has gone to absolute hell. Through so I'm by thank God for the timer, is all I can say. And if I can maintain my train of thought for this whole podcast, it'll be amazing. So we've got the rice. I've rinsed my little zucchini. Like I said, I will revert to calling them zucchini because, well, I could call them kosa the whole time and you could learn a new Arabic word. But anyway, either way, just imagine these little green squash. And we've got four of them. Now, ordinarily, if I were just doing this really quick on a weeknight, I would probably only do two or three of them, but they came in a four pack, so I guess I'm going to cook all four. And I also have a pound of ground lamb. I don't think I want to use the whole pound. That seems very meat heavy. That's like equal parts meat and squash, and I want it to skew more squash, so I'm going to set aside a little bit of the lamb. For something else, who knows what, but it could be one of the five obstructions later in the week. Now to explain what I'm doing, kosameshi, like I said, kind of complicated if you were to make it from scratch as advised. And um, I've had the pleasure of learning how to make it in Syria myself. And then many years later, 
well into the Syrian war, I met some refugees on uh, the island of Lesbos in Greece. Uh, 2015, I met these people, two brothers in their 20s and their mom, and um, they carried on with their journey and they got to Germany and I went to visit them later once they were settled in Germany. And I should be doing something while I'm talking, right? I should. Uh, we'll need a little garlic, so I'll start crunching up the garlic while I talk. Um, and it was a little, honestly, it was a little awkward. Like, I only hung out with them for like an afternoon and kept in touch with them. And they were like, come visit, come visit. So I showed up and I was like, hey. And mom was like, wait, who are you again? So that's always a little a little embarrassing um, when you get called out like that. Uh, I'd been in touch with one of her sons more. So, uh, but she was great because, you know, what, you wouldn't be rude to a guest. So she was like, oh, um, stay for lunch, of course. And she had her other son go out for groceries. And I heard her say to her other son, Kosa Mehshi, and I was like, oh my God. This woman cannot. She, you're living in a tiny apartment with your two adult sons and you're spending all your brain power on learning German and navigating um, the German asylum process. Like, you're not also going to make stuffed vegetables for me, please. But, you know, I was the guest and I didn't... We had already had kind of a running joke about how... <laughs> how, how I was the guest and I had to submit to their ways. So... So I didn't say anything. And then the older brother came back with the groceries and the mom disappeared into the kitchen. I was like, oh geez, I feel so bad. And then like 20 minutes later, she pops out with lunch. And what she did was ingenious. And I think like in the hands of somebody like fancier would be like, oh, this deconstructed kosameshi. Or, you know, there would be some ingenious, clever spin on the whole thing. But this mom, she was a doctor and she had been a single mom for most of her kid's life and she just did not have time for being like fancy Syrian housewife, like sitting around stuffing vegetables. So she had developed this quick recipe, which was awesome. Um, I think she had developed it the way her, oh, that's the five minute ding for the, for the rice. So I'm just gonna switch that on now. So yeah. So she was a busy working single mom and she made kosa mehshi this way, which is not mehshied, not stuffed at all. It is just all the flavors of kosa mehshi in a much faster put together dish. And as I saw, it could happen in like half an hour for a lunch guest. And it could also be a super quick dinner for you. What I'm gonna do tonight is her version and there's the rice, and then there's, I think I'll make a little yogurt cucumber salad on the side. You could serve it just with yogurt. Ordinarily, there's just a little like garlic yogurt sauce, like you mix some of the cooking broth together with yogurt and serve that as a sauce. Uh, but we're not doing like cooking broth and all that business. We are just frying the zucchini and the ground meat together with a little spices and with the garlic, and then we're serving that with rice. And it ends up being all the flavors with like minimal, minimal hassle. 
So if I would just stop talking and cook, we would actually do it pretty quickly. I crunched up, what is that, like seven cloves of garlic? That's kind of overkill. I mean, I use them all. And because I've been talking, I probably am not using my time as well as I should. You know what? I, I was about to start chopping up our zucchini, but I think what we should do first is cook up our ground meat. And I have, like I said, ground lamb here. And it is packaged in an annoying, very hardcore way. Okay, no. that's fine. All right, like I said, I, I want this to be a mostly vegetable dish and and like a quarter pound of ground lamb for something else TBD later in the week is kind of a perfect little thing to have in the fridge. So I'm kind of cutting off about a quarter of that and putting it straight in Tupperware. And then we're just going to fry up the ground meat till it's browned. I'm using a wide stainless steel skillet. You could use cast iron, that's my normal go-to, but there's lemon juice at the end and I just don't want to worry about the just don't want to worry about the acid reacting with the cast iron. So I've turned the heat on the skillet and what do we want? Maybe just a tiny little bit of olive oil just so there's a little slick in the pan. The lamb is going to give off some fat of course so I just don't want it like seizing up super sticking to the pan before that happens. Okay, just kind of putting that meat in the skillet. You can hear it starting to sizzle already, which means my heat might be up a little high actually. <laughs> I'm gonna put some salt, sprinkle some salt in there before I forget. And I'm gonna let it sit just for a minute. And I'm gonna go start to chop my little my little squash zucchini. Um, I think I'll do these in little what half moons. So I chopped off the ends and then cut it lengthwise in half. Anyway, you want you want surface area on these guys. I think this stuff is the priority because you want to we're gonna brown them a little bit in the pan. So um, and they're probably I don't know eighth of an inch thick. That meat is sounding very sizzly. So much I have to raise my voice. So go back over here and break it up a little and turn down the heat. So it's on medium low now. Um, but it's totally fine. Um, you know, meat can stand a lot of browning and the browning adds flavor. So I'm just breaking that up a little bit more. 
All right, I'm back to slice up another another zucchini on the squash. Got a bowl for these guys. Maybe now you can hear the meat is very quiet now. It's like giving off all its liquid. Maybe I turned it down too much. When I'm done with the squash, I'll go back and check. Uh, when you slice these little squash lengthwise, then you can line up the two halves next to each other. So with each cut, you're cutting both halves, if that makes sense. Still sounding very blah over here, so let's go back and check. Oh yeah. So when you're cooking ground, ground meat of any kind, you know, there's like an initial sizzle and then it starts giving off tons of liquid. And what we want to do is cook it long enough that everything gets brown and that liquid cooks off again. So basically all the tastiness goes back in the meat. Um, in this case, we probably don't have to be super merciless about that because that kind of tasty liquid is going to flavor everything either way. There's no harm in having like a tiny bit of sauciness to this. Uh, so I'll be honest, I um, cooked this back. This was gonna, actually going to be my first episode of this travel series, tra travel season. And then I cooked it and I was so spaced out, I just like completely forgot the seasoning. And I was like, that's weird, it doesn't taste as good as the last time I made it. So we're starting fresh and learning from my mistakes. The seasoning is basically just allspice. And I'm going to get it now so I don't forget about it. I have it ground here. Allspice is really kind of a signature Syrian thing. There are more complex spice combinations. There's like a seven spice combo that's all, you know, allspice and cinnamon and black pepper and clove and stuff like that. Um, but allspice is like the workaday, like if you want to make it taste Syrian, the shortcut is a little allspice. Um, and I'm getting out sumac also, which is going to go on the top, which is another great, very signature Syrian flavor. Um, yeah, I have a Syrian cookbook from like 1965 or something, like Syrian American. And it has like Syrian style potato salad, which is American potato salad with allspice in it. It's kind of, you know, people laugh at those, at those cookbooks now because we can get so many more ingredients and things like that. And you know, sometimes people who are writing back in the 60s and 70s when groceries were not quite as bountiful as they could have been, um, you know, they were cutting corners and making strange substitutions. But I find those really instructive 
because sometimes you want to know what substitutions to do. And it just helps you think about the... Oops, all right. with the heat here again. Um, it just helps you think about the recipe in a different way. And if you see what kind of substitutions get made, you like think of the recipe more in terms of general components instead of exactly half a teaspoon of ground whatever and exactly three quarters of a cup of something rare source body block. Um, when really what you should be looking at for what it helps to look at a recipe as it's like here are components and each one is playing a specific role and if you don't have you know if you don't have lemon juice to make it sour then maybe you can use something else but the point is for it to be sour so when you see these weird old cookbooks that have you using like ketchup in a pad thai recipe you're like oh how benighted how sad but it also does tell you like you want something a little sour a little sweet a little fruity um and it helps you understand the logic of the dish in a very weird way uh in a very roundabout way but i always feel like i learn things from the weird weird old old 70s cookbooks all right that meat is brown and i'm turning off the heat and i'm gonna take all the, all the meat out of the skillet set it aside for now because, oh, because in the same skillet, we're gonna fry up our little zucchini. So I'm taking out all the brown bits as much as I can. Maybe I did this in the wrong order. Maybe it would have made sense to fry the zucchini first. They would have left their own little brown bits though. So. If you were really a purist, and actually if you were moving really fast, you could use two skillets and you could get your zucchini going before your meat was even done. If you're making smaller amounts, this comes together really quickly. It's gonna take a little while because we have so much zucchini. Um, I know I've said this before, but when you're like multiplying portions of a dish, if you're like scaling up a recipe or something, gotta take into consideration it's not just more ingredients, it's also more time. And that is a very easy thing to lose sight of. So uh, in this case, we have to fry our fry our zucchini and we don't want to dump them all in the pan because again it's going to give off a ton of liquid and then the zucchini are just going to end up like stewing in their own juices which isn't terrible but we want them to have some browning just for character although you know having them stew in their own juices maybe that's good come to think of it because it is sort of capturing the original Kosameshi logic, which once you stuff the zucchini or the squash with the little rice and meat combination, then you sort of 
prop them up very, very carefully in a pot and you cook them in a broth of very sour water, very heavy with lemon juice. So the squash gets very soft and then of course the liquid hydrates the rice and everything is like mm, tender and soft. So maybe my craving for brown zucchini is off base and out of the spirit of this dish. Have I just created another ingenious shortcut for myself? I'm not sure. And honestly, it's been so long since I had the original at this family's house in Germany that I can't really remember whether their zucchini was super brown or not. I'm turning up the heat here anyway. I added a little bit more olive oil to the pan. So I'm just gonna let them do their thing. We can decide. It can be kind of a mix of textures, right? That's always that's always nice. While I was talking, I thought of something else. Oh, yes. Mint. Dried mint. Also very, very important. Um, if you're making them properly, they're in a broth with lemon juice and mint. Oh, where did I put the mint? I could never remember whether it's hanging out in the tea section or the herb section. I think we put it in the herb section now. There he is. There he is. Okay. Mm. So I've been very generous with the with the olive oil here. I mean, it's really hard to go wrong. Adds character, adds flavor. I think I'm liking my little logic of letting the zucchini be softer. So I put not quite half of them in this batch, and they're kind of in one one layer and um, I'm gonna let those cook and then I'll take them out and I'll dump in the other more than half so oh my garlic you guys you guys my whole life it's been like this my whole my whole life my whole last year has been like this me turning around and being like oh I totally forgot about that uh. okay so I'm chopping up the garlic and we'll just Put that in. Maybe we'll put it in now. Garlic is tricky, of course, like mixed in with other things because, you know, it cooks pretty fast and you don't want it getting too brown or it turns bitter. But I think our timing might be great where I can just sneak it in with this first batch of zucchini. And I ended up using like five of those cloves, four, four or five of those cloves. So I'm just putting them, just mixing that right in there. Oh yes, nice. And now our lovely, I left the zucchini without disturbing them really. So they got kind of nice and bubbly brown fried on one side. Excellent. So I'm trying to flip them over a little bit, but if you've been listening to this podcast for any time at all, you realize I'm not going to be that fussy about it. You can see that most of them flipped over. Then do it, but don't let don't let your compulsions take over. It's not it's not copy editing. They don't have to be. 
you have to be super consistent. That's why, that's why cooking is nice. It's not your normal work. You don't have to apply the same standards necessarily. Lower, lower standards. That's what we've all been learning. All right, the garlic smells great and all the, all the zucchini have kind of lost their, lost their crisp look. So I think this first batch is good to take out. I'm gonna get another bowl. My word, so many bowls. Oh, if I'd been thinking, I should have just put the, put the ground meat in a very big bowl to begin with, since it's all going together in the end. But I wasn't thinking. So. Batch one of zucchini. Now, I also, since I was so generous with olive oil, it was hard to separate it from the other things. And now there's barely any in the pan. I have to have more. It's going to be kind of oily. Um, in your life, when you do this, maybe start out with a little less, less olive oil. All right. Our rice is already done. You know what, I'm not gonna go so far as to put a lid on this. I am committing to the process. So that'll make the zucchini kind of steam through a little bit more and be softer. I'm gonna turn the heat down to medium low so I don't have to worry about it. I got a lemon out. Another thing that I would say is kind of a hallmark of Syrian food is sour flavors. Very popular. Lots of lots of different ingredients for things being sour. I already mentioned sumac, but since I have a lemon, I'm gonna I'm gonna use some lemon juice as well, just so we can like layer it in. So I'm gonna go ahead, I've got my first little batch of zucchini and the and the garlic there. And oh my god, while I was talking, I did <laughs> I did totally forget to put in the allspice there. I put it next to the next to the skillet. I feel weird putting it right on the right on the zucchini. It really should have been with the meat. Wow. So I'm just taking pinches of, like two pinches of ground allspice. I did two because I feel like that's been sitting there a while and maybe losing some of its magic. And I sprinkled that over the meat and I'm kind of stirring it together. Fortunately, everything's still pretty warm. So I think the the spice bowl will sit there and mix in okay but <laughs> on the website where I put all the recipes and photos I will make it clear that you really should add the allspice when you're frying the meat so it gets a you know it gets dispersed in the hot oil man Anyway, that is the last time when I didn't remember the allspice at all. So, it'd be worse. All right, lid is off our little zucchini. And I'm just 
stirring them around. Honestly, they're looking kind of like my first batch. It's not hugely different, but maybe they'll, yeah, maybe they'll give off a little more liquid. I'm gonna add a pinch of mint to this since they won't be in here too much longer. I'm just kind of scrunching this up between my fingers. It releases the oil nicely on the dried mint. And I'm trying not to put it like directly on the skillet bottom like I'm, I don't want it scorching, but I just want it kind of hydrating a little in there. So I put it more directly on top of the zucchini rather. Just a little more careful. Alright, and sumac goes on at the end. There's not much point. It's more of a finishing thing. If you can make, there's a dish that it's like stewed in a Palestinian chicken dish, masachin, where it's like in and stewed for a long time, I think. I haven't made it in a long time, but usually it's just sprinkled on the ends of things, as far as I know. So that's sitting there, so I don't forget it. Uh, and we're just going to turn our backs on the zucchini and let them simmer for like 30 more seconds. Our rice is done. Oh, yogurt. Yogurt. So, have I said this before? Trimona, Bulgarian yogurt, so good. Everybody's running around all about the Greek yogurt, but I want yogurt to be sour. I want there to be zero sugar and I want it to be sour. And I kind of love these guys because somewhere they actually say, oh yeah, let the Greeks have their philosophers, leave the yogurt to us. So there's like this inter-Balkan yogurt rivalry happening. And if you can get Trimona yogurt where you are, I really recommend it. It's the closest thing I've ever gotten in the US to what Greek yogurt in Greece tastes like, in my opinion. And indeed, you look at the ingredients and it is lactobacillus bulgaricus, which explains why everything, why that yogurt tastes that way. Anyway, so I'm just gonna, I was gonna make a salad, but no, I think I'm just gonna have yogurt on the side. All right, I've been talking enough. Let's peek at our, peek at our little zucchini again. I'm also trying to remember if I finished all the story threads I started at the beginning of this. Five obstructions, we talked about that talked about where I got this recipe. Yeah, I think that's all you need to know. If when I'm listening through before I post this, <laughs> if I discover I totally forgot a thread, I will pop back on at the end and tell you all so you're not like on the edge of your seats. All right, all my zucchini is soft and I'm just scraping it out of the skillet and in with the first batch of zucchini and the meat. Um, this is really light on the meat. If you're making it, you might want to use a full pound of meat. This is more like a vegetable dish, like flavored with meat, which I like, but you might want to skew it more toward meat. Totally up to you. So we're just gonna stir this guy. I put salt on the meat, right? But I didn't put any more on the zucchini. And since they're so, they're kind of a waterloggy thing, so they can take a fair amount of salt. So I'm gonna pinch that. Oh, it looks so pretty. This, these squash have such a beautiful yellow-green 
quality. They're not gray at all. I have no idea why they call them gray squash. I guess because far away, they're not dark green. Anyway, they're beautiful. They're so vivid. They're totally out of season right now, but for some reason we get them all the time in our neighborhood grocery. I guess maybe because they come from Mexico. So ordinarily this is more like a summery thing you would make when the cosa are in perfect season. So everything's all mixed together and I'm just sort of letting it sit there while I get plates and kind of letting the flavors all blend together. I'm actually getting bowls, big wide bowls. So it's really just a scoop of rice and this stuff on the top and a couple spoonfuls of yogurt if you stand by. Oh, and some squeeze, squeeze of lemon if you stand by while I scoop up the rice. I'll taste and see how much, how much needs adjusting. I find sour, sour always needs a little tweaking at the end. Oh, a little black pepper can hurt. So instead of seven spices, we have two, which is fine. Fine, fine. I would love to know, I feel like there's some kind of deep logic of Syrian cuisine that I don't know of like when you use the seven spice mix and when you don't. But if anybody knows that, wants to tell me, I'd love to hear it. I don't want to be one of those people who's like, and then you use this spice mix and everybody who grew up eating that stuff is like, oh, you never put that. Oh, that's so gross. That's overkill. So that's why I'm kind of pleased with this minimalist allspice pepper. It's hard to go wrong. Mmm. 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 It could be more sour. I haven't done the, I haven't done the lemon yet. Mm, mm, mm. I haven't done any sour. No wonder. Wow, you guys. You were hearing like the most candid stream of consciousness idiocy from me. I hope you all have been holding up so well this last year. I hope everyone's okay and that you're eating well. And pretty much, you know, every day is a new day and a new chance for an interesting new meal. And that's why cooking is nice. It's like the project is there and then it's done. And if it was fantastic, you remember it. And if it was terrible, you just do something else the next day. So there have been some, there have been some terrible things I've cooked in this past year, but I can't even remember them. It's great. So the, we have kind of a little self-made sauce in the bottom of this just from the oil from the zucchini and all the liquid it gave off and some of the meat cooking liquid as well. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh my God, it's working, so good. You guys, deconstructed Kosa Meshi. Thank you so much to the Syrian family. And I'm just grateful to know them, period. And also grateful for this amazing recipe. So I hope you try it. I really recommend it. It's one of those things that like to have in your arsenal. You know, if you just describe like, it's ground meat and squash fried together, 
does not sound exciting, but to me anyway, this really helps me travel back to Germany and back to Syria in little ways. So I hope you try it. And as I've been saying, if anybody has any suggestions for dishes from other places that you'd like, you know, that you enjoyed once and you'd like to recapture or things you're curious about from other places and you're not sure how to cook, please drop me a note. The email address is on the website and we'll work it out. I'd love to try new things. Otherwise, I'll be back with you in another couple weeks with something else along the same lines. Meantime, eat well, enjoy your meals, take care. Oh, of course, there's one more thing I forgot. Sumac, I mentioned the sumac. You guys, I'm like I said, I'm a total mess. Sumac, just sprinkle individually over each serving on the dish. And also, if you like hot pepper, I should have done, I could have done this while I was cooking because both Peter and I like it, but a nice uh, red chili flake is, would not go amiss, as they say, like a little spice is nice. I happen to have Aleppo pepper, so I'm going to use some of that. It's not spicy at all, I don't think. It's more of a fruity, bright flavor, so it adds to that, like, zing that you get from the lemon juice and the sumac. And the sumac is a beautiful color, kind of purple. In general, what I was saying at the very beginning about kind of, or not the beginning, middle, about all the different components of a recipe and, like, what each one is doing, so obviously lemon juice and sumac are fulfilling kind of the same role, like they're both adding sour. You don't need them both, but if you have them both, it adds a little bit more depth because there's a little more variety. But honestly, in Syrian cooking, sumac is often used instead of lemon because you can't get lemons at, that, at a given time of year. So then you switch all your recipes up and you use sumac or you use verjuice which is juice from green grapes. And that's like available at a certain time of the year when lemons aren't. So the substitutions, it can help. It's good to be able to be flexible. And I think it helps your creativity as well. If you're like, what is this ingredient really? And what is it doing for me? So in this case, we have a great bounty and we're using everything, but feel free to use less if that's all you have. And sometimes, that's how you create the good stuff. Okay, lesson learned. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Talk to you again in two weeks. Enjoy your meal.